Parents, is your teen college ready? Are you feeling overwhelmed, stressed out, or excited about your teen applying to college? Do you know what colleges are looking for? And if your kid gets in, do you know what you'll pay for it? College admission has never been so competitive or expensive. Shelly Howard will take you on a journey to help you and your teen get college ready. Now here's your host, Shelly. Hello, this is Shelly Howard with Parents Is Your Teen College Ready podcast. I am looking forward to sharing this outstanding guest with you. Without further ado, please welcome David Linton. David, welcome to the show. And can you share a little bit about yourself? Yeah, Shelly, thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. So I'm a resident of Austin, Texas. I am starting this fall. I'll be a uh, a faculty lecturer at the University of Texas Macomb School of Business. Um, my day job, I, uh, I'm an economist and investor. I, I work at PayPal. So if you've uh, left 20 bucks in your Venmo account, thank you. I get to earn interest on that on behalf of the corporation. And um, before that, I was also an adjunct professor at USC's Marshall School of Business, where I taught investments. And this fall, um, my second book is coming out. It's, it's titled Crushed, How Student Debt Has Impaired a Generation and What We Can Do About It. He is a wealth of information. So, and he's a parent of three. I should yes. put that in there because there's a little credibility in the parent room. <laughs> mm -hmm. that you know, it's not all fun and games raising three littles. So right. Um, right. let's first start off with how did you... How did you put yourself in high school? Right. You in high school. How did you even decide? Did you know you wanted to go into business? Like help the parents as they look at their child. Who were you? How did you get here as a high school student? Oh, man, that's that's a great question. I'm reaching deep into the um, memory banks here. I, I uh, I've always had interest in finance and economics and investing and I'll actually go even a little bit earlier. Uh, maybe your parents remember the TV show Alvin and the Chipmunks. <laughs> well, there was a, there was this episode where um, one of the characters creates this, this machine that you can see into the future, and then Alvin has this capability, and he can start investing his money, and it becomes a, a, a millionaire. And I remember as a young child, maybe six, seven, asking my dad what investing was, and he didn't really know how to explain it, um, but he tried, and uh, that kind of set me down the path of finance and economics. And so I studied that in college and then in graduate school and then wrote a book on the topic and got a chance to teach and practice. So it's been a very fun ride. I love that. Let's talk about how did you decide to pick the college you picked? Let's go all right. the way down in the weeds. Like these right. kids are struggling and their parents are like, how do you find the best school? Did you yeah. know it best for you or do you have any thoughts on, I'm not going to do that with my children. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You you, oh yeah. So that's, that's a great question too. Um, my parents is, is very much kind of ad hoc. I think it wasn't very systematic. Um, we lived in Southern California and we looked at, you know, what my SAT scores were and my, my GPA. And I had the, the large, I think the college board book, we can kind of flip through and see, Kind of where I would land, and then we put together a list of five or six schools. Most of them were reaches, and then there's a couple of 
of schools that were safety or that you know would be would be reasonably good likelihood that I would get into. And uh, I uh, was accepted to University of Southern California, and um, and went there. And one of the appeals for it, other than the football team, which we joked about beforehand, <laughs> was. Um, was that it, it did have a good undergraduate finance and business program. And, and so I think I was one of the fortunate kids that had an interest that I could really kind of narrow my college selection with. And um, I think that, that having that interest, that passion, that drive is so valuable, so much more now than I think it was even in the past, just because... Um, it's so important to get a lot out of your college education that you can't just figure it out three or four years in and then hope you get a good degree and then a good job. But for me, I was really fortunate that I already kind of knew what I wanted to do. And so that's how I was able to zero in on the, the five or seven schools that I applied to. I love it. So I won't put you on the spot, what schools yeah. you got into and what you didn't. We won't talk about that. <laughs> But was it the best fit for you academically, socially, financially? Was that really the best fit looking back? Yeah, I think that it was. It's difficult to know how things would have been differently, how we made other choices. <clears throat> but I think it was a good fit. And I think I was fortunate that I, I kind of stumbled into a good fit that way. Um, financially, my parents were able to afford it. I got some academic scholarships. So it was well below the sticker price, which seemed like a arm in the leg at the time. Now it seems like a, it would be a steal to get anywhere close to that. <laughs> and uh, and I lived off campus. And so student housing, it was a lot cheaper than student housing. So I, I was able to get out without any debt. And I feel very, very fortunate now because I realized that that's, that would put me in a very, very small minority nowadays. So let's now fast forward a bit. You decide, you know, finance is it. Like you knew, yeah. right? Yeah. My yeah. first knew, my second knew, my third and fourth, they, they didn't know. And there's, there's challenges every which way. Yeah. How, how did you come to teaching what you love? Yeah, no, no. So that's, that's a great question too. So I am, um, I was working in Southern California and I was sitting next to a, a person named Tony Crescenzi and he'd written four or five books on the topics of finance and economics. And so I, I, he was like a mentor at the time, and I had a chance to ask him a lot about his thoughts on the matter. Um, and I concluded I would, I would actually give it a shot. And then um, another friend, once I had completed most of the draft uh, of the book, uh, another good friend of mine, um, Steve Moyer, who's a professor at USC, introduced me to his publisher, and that's how I was able to get it published, and then was able to introduce me to faculty at USC as well. So then I got the chance to teach a class on the book I had just written, so it worked out quite well. So the book came before the teaching. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, that's, what, <laughs> that's what gave me the credibility to actually teach on the topic, but yes. But it was while I was at USC teaching that I had the idea for the second book, Crushed, on student debt, which is kind of the, the topic right. that, um, yeah, no, I'd love to share a story if that's okay. Um, Absolutely. So, so I had graduated from USC like 18 years earlier, and, and now I was touring the campus again as a, as a adjunct or a, a orientation for adjunct faculty. And, um, you know, the campus was really nice in the early 2000s, but now it was just like amazing. And 
and it was expensive back then, but now it was really expensive. And I, I, I kept wondering, like, why is everything so nice? Like, I, like the the business school buildings, they're all brand new. Um, you know, the, the, we, we toured, it was like a freshman dining hall and it was modeled after the Hogwarts dining hall from, from Harry Potter with like the giant Gothic arches and the four yeah. long. And like, this is like, I would absolutely want to go here, but I could, I kind of quite shaking like why, but why, why is so many much resources going into this, which would lead it to be so expensive, which would lead us to take out so much debt. And is that really the right thing for society, for us? And what should I know as a as a dad? And if and if by some miracle I, I got into policy, how could I actually kind of solve the problem? And then I had a waking night some about a year later where I couldn't sleep. My head was racing and I went downstairs and I I I, I wrote like 20 or 30 questions that I had about post-secondary education and what I thought the answers were. And then that turned into my table of contents. And then I pitched the idea and I was off and running. So let's briefly touch on why you wrote the first book. Yeah. Yeah. Let's start there because that really kind of set you in motion for teaching mm -hmm. for the second book. So did you wake up one day and go, you know, I have a book in my head. I'm just going to kind of put it down on paper or how did you decide? Yeah. That? yeah well, so I, I worked at a firm called PIMCO, P-I-M-C-O, and and they were really big on thought leadership. In fact, they, they, they had a, a section on the main floor where they had all of the books that all the people who worked there had written and they were highlighted like trophies. And so it was something that was really encouraged and sitting next to an individual that had written several books, I could talk to him about that. And I'd always kind of enjoyed writing. I, I, I always, I, um, I, I know a lot of people that writing a three-page book report is this, this chore, but I never, I never... I, I never looked at it that way. I enjoyed reading. I enjoyed researching. And I just thought it would be rewarding and fun to see if I could make a contribution. And the niche that I took was that, um, you know, I'd had a, a, a very formal education in economics and finance at several schools. Um, and now I was a practitioner. And what I thought that there was a gap, that there are plenty of books for formal education, but there's a lot of stuff that you learn on the job. And so the idea for this book was um, I would figure out all the gaps and then try to address all of those gaps. And so in my mind, if, if, if you work in the industry, it's common that people in HR, they hand you a book on your first day and they say, here, read this book. Um, this, my book could be that book. So, <laughs> so and um, so what I did is I, I sent a, a survey to about 100 people, and I had um, 10 questions, most of which are open-ended questions, such as, um, what do young people not know that you think that they should know? Or what did you learn later in your career that you wish you had learned earlier in your career? Or what do you not understand now that you wish you knew more about? And they ended up with hundreds and hundreds of answers, and then I used that to build a table of contents. So I tried to find the themes and then answer and plug all of those gaps that people were curious about or thought others should know about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then obviously somebody at USC read the book and they're like, wait a minute, he has something yeah. to share. Yeah. About it. What briefly in the teaching part of it, did you use more mm -hmm. of your 
practical PIMCO boots on the ground doing it? Or did you use more of your education from all of your amazing pedigree of all your schools? Or is it a blend? <laughs> and how did the student receive that blend or whatever that was? Yeah, no, great question. It was it was mostly a blend. So I taught evening MBA students and all, all these people were were the, they were young professionals themselves. And so I think they they cared about the practical application of everything we were talking about. So I tried to I tried to make at least the second half of every lecture really like here's where you may see this in practice, here's where it could be applied, here's what I think you should take away from this. And I tried to include as many anecdotes as possible. Okay. And so the students being a high level uh, MBA um, from a mm -hmm. great school or schools, um, what do you think was the most impactful or has a student ever said, this is what I took away? Like what, have you ever had that experience? Um, hmm. Thinking. I think I've had a few students that were kind of on the cusp of trying to figure out where their next career would be. Um, and they took the class earlier in their evening student, then indicate that they could imagine themselves working in this role. They, they did find it more interesting. And I've, I've had a couple of people say that to me, which I found very rewarding. Um, Sometimes yeah. finance doesn't sound as <laughs> interesting as maybe somebody would want it to. So maybe you brought it right. to life for them. Yeah, no, I like to think, I like to think so. Okay. And I, yeah, I like to think I positively impacted some of their trajectories. What made you write the second book? Yeah, it, well, so, so it was a confluence of a bunch of things. First, uh, just, just wandering around campus and seeing how nice it was. And, and USC was in no way unique. Um, this is a, a, a countrywide, phenomenon. All, all universities, colleges fight for students based upon things like um, uh, quality of facilities. And um, also thinking about how I'm going to afford this. So you mentioned earlier, I've, I've got three young kids. They're, um, they're seven, nine, and 10. And I'm looking at these, these tuition checks and or these imagining these future checks and thinking like my 529 contribution is not going to cut it <laughs> like how am, I, how am I going to do this and 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 kind of as a joke I, I said to my wife at the time you, you know maybe I could write a book and between the royalties from the book and convincing policymakers to cap tuition I could actually afford the school that was, <laughs> and it was it was a tongue-in-cheek kind of joke but um you know there's a very sl small chance it could actually work out that way Sure, sure. But apparently, so I talk to my students in college ready, we do what's called a passion with purpose project. Mm -hmm. If I have a student who's leaning towards business, finance, entrepreneurship, any of that, yeah. I say, prove it. Prove yeah. it. I, don't mm -hmm. tell me about it. Like, let's go dig in and do it. Internship, right. research project, community service, like, let's go test it at 16, 17, 18. So by yeah. the time you hit out of college, you're like, yes, I, this is it. So there had to be some passion around, obviously it hurt your check or potentially will hurt your checkbook when you write that tuition check. 
but the chapters in the book, how did yeah. you decide that those were the, the things you were going to drive home? Yeah, no, no, these are, these are all really great questions. Um, I kind of started with a bit of an outline and I wanted to approach this topic from an area that I felt as though I were knowledgeable enough that I can contribute to the conversation. So my background is in finance and economics. And a foundational assumption for economics is that people respond to incentives. And then economists, they then measure outcomes, whether it's employment or gross domestic product or revenue. Um, and then the good ones ask ourselves, is this outcome desirable? Is this what we want? And if not, how can we change the incentives to get an outcome that we do want? And I read a half dozen books on the topic and nobody seemed to take it that kind of an angle for it. So then I thought to myself, well, if I were gonna start with a, a clean sheet of paper and think about the items that I thought were really relevant to whether it's parents or students or policymakers, whether it's a warning or an encouragement or something that contributes to the problem or the solution, these are the things that I wanna make sure that I include. And you know, when I first started my research, I'm like, okay, everybody's talking about how evil Sally Mae was. So we'll start about Sally Mae. And I'm like, well, you know, that doesn't really tell a very compelling story and it doesn't really answer most of my questions. So now I'll, now I'll, now I'll go to the opposite end of the spectrum and I'll read about how great endowments are great. And I'm like, no, that doesn't really tell the whole story either. And so I kind of pieced together what I thought was the most relevant, the most not just the most punchy, but what I thought was really impactful and useful knowledge. And that's kind of how the chapters okay. kind of coalesced around certain bullet points. Outstanding. Now, how long has this been, book been out? So it comes out in August, this August. Oh, it's not even launched yet. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I want a copy of this book and I can't even get it yet. Oh, way to wave the carrot. Now I'm gonna, <laughs> I have to wait. Oh, that's just, just mean. So um, I'll tell you a quick story. When um, I wrote a best-selling book, but it wasn't by my choice, you might appreciate this. So my firstborn, yeah. um, he got a full ride to USC. He got, he won the presidential. And I'm from Southern California, and I was like practicing my fight on, like, yes, yeah. we're going. To, we're we're going to USC. We're <laughs> like we yeah. are going to have a blast. And then Harvard sent this beautiful package in the mail a week later. And I'm like, no, that's the <laughs> post. No, you can't do that to me. <laughs> and so they were so kind. They had us out for about three, almost four days where they wined and dined and really sold the, the program. Yeah. And it was an incredible experience. And we literally were sitting in Hogwarts dining hall, the freshman dining hall at Harvard. And mm -hmm. I looked at my son and I go, do you see yourself here? And he's yeah. like, he, for, yeah, I do, mom. Like, I know you probably don't feel it, but this is my place. These are my people. Like, I yeah. read every Harry Potter book. Like I am all in and we're sitting there just really soaking in what you're talking about, the ambiance, yeah. the, the heritage, yeah. the tradition. Mm -hmm. And 
it was so interesting because he got in and out without debt, right? Four years, graduated Harvard, zero debt. And when he crossed the stage, he handed me his diploma and he said, mom, do you remember our bet? And I'm like, no, I I don't bet. What are you talking about? He says, if I got in and out of Harvard without debt, you would write a book on how to do it. (gasps) (laughs) (laughs) There's no way. And he's like, mom, you really did. And I'm like, darn, he remembered. So I stopped working for the next three months. And I buried myself and I don't like to write and I don't like to really throw myself in. I'm a people person. So I was stuck in a room. It was, it was hard for me, but you know, a bet's a bet. And so (laughs) I kept the bet and the book is how to send your student to college without losing your mind to your money. Yes. I've seen that. that, That book was me as a parent of somebody who had just done it pouring out this is what you need to do this is how you do it this is this can be done that was the important piece so that is definitely exactly why I did it the passion so for a very different reason I love the story though Shelly that's terrific So when the book came out, I signed my first original copy over to my son and he treasures it. And, you know, I now can give it to anybody who maybe can't afford it or don't think that they can afford it or they can buy it on Amazon or I gift it to my listeners. So, you know, it is something that you're giving the world. And I encourage you to to lean into that because it might Mm -hmm. be bigger than or at least it was for me way bigger than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Now I love, I love the story though. In particular, it only took you three months. I mean, that's, (laughs) that's amazing. But remember, Um, I, I led him through it for four years. Okay. Right. So we started when he was in eighth grade, Yeah. really strategizing. So I've built seven businesses. So my son was my eighth business. (laughs) I basically was like, how would I take my business knowledge? I build a business plan. Oh, Mm -hmm. what a concept. I built him a business plan, which is his standout strategy. Then I was lucky. He actually followed it without much fight, a little fight, but not a law fight. And then he saw the benefit because I told him, I can either pay for college or I can put a down payment on your first home, but I'm not doing both. And he's a smart young man. And he's like, wait, a home will go up in value quickly in California. I'm going with the home. I'm going to earn my way into college. Right. And everybody says, you can't do that. And he goes, oh yeah, wait and see. And when he got up to give a salutatorian speech at his public high school, 25 years, nobody had ever gone Ivy League. So it's not like he went to this big prep school or this Mm -hmm. whole, you know, rigorous. No, it was mom and son going, we've got this. Yeah. That's what made our story so impactful. That's great. That's great. Where did he go to high school? He went to Murrieta Valley High School. Okay. Yeah. Their biggest claim to fame before him is they have a, a pro golfer. 
who came out of their school. So they had an athlete, okay. they had an <laughs> academia. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, you know, he went on. So you'll love this part. He wasn't sure about going into debt for medical school. So mm-hmm. at the last minute, he goes, you know, I'm going to try a year of a J-O-B, but I want to do it in finance. And I'm yeah. like, but you just did pre-med biology. Like, how is that going to work? He goes, mom, I've got this. So he he's like, I just graduated from Harvard. Like, yeah. I got this, mom. And so he applied and he interviewed and he got a job with Bain Consulting. Okay. In New York City at yep. 23 years old, making $106,000 a year without student debt. Hello, world. Hello. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. said, honey, but you're a consultant. You've never had a job. Help me understand what you're going to say. He goes, mom, I think like a Harvard graduate. <gasps> like, <laughs> what? So for those people listening who don't see the value of a college degree, I like mm-hmm. to pause at that moment. He got that job because he graduated from Harvard. Right, right. right? He then realized my impact and my passion is not in a chair in front of a computer. So mm-hmm. he did go off. He went to UC San Diego Medical School and he's now an orthopedic surgeon at UCLA. Okay, good for so, him. He did walk that path, but I share that story because many people find it hard to believe that it's possible, right? Right, right. And we question it as adults and as parents, like, is it really worth it going into debt, paying that much money? I have many families and students, this generation, they're challenging it. Mm-hmm. They're saying, I'm oh. an influencer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that could be lucrative. It, it certainly can be. No, but I, I think that what you're getting at is that the um, the value proposition of a college degree is, is, is different than what it was 20 or 40 or 60 years ago. And I think people are just kind of intuiting that and understanding that. And they're, they're looking at their friends and their kids and their own sharing their own experiences. And there's been actually a lot of research going into kind of how how has that value proposition changed over time? And um, the the short of it is that, you know, the cost of college has gone up two and a half to four X since the seventies, um, meaning that what used to cost you four years uh, now only gets you through one year. And the incremental earnings when you leave college um, are not sufficient to make it worthwhile unless you're walk, working six, seven, eight years. Um, so it's a so I think the takeaway is that um, it's a big commitment. You can do it, but the the need is you got to have a plan going in. You can't just be a good student and decide that you know we're going to spend a quarter of a million or more studying something and taking out the debt for that. That's not, those aren't good options that it's unfortunate. The reality is that you have to be really strategic and really thoughtful and put in the homework up front and put together a game plan. And, and it's discouraging because it's, it's, it's unfair for a lot of people. Like your son is brilliant, obviously. And, and, and in some ways is normal, in some ways is very unique, 
Um, and I was kind of unique as well in that I, like, I kind of knew what I wanted, but your most 16 year olds don't really know like what they want to do and saying that, you know, you got to, you got to plan it out and make sure you've got the right skill set when you graduate. And otherwise the internal rate of return on this, this investment will be negative. You know, that's, that's a, that's a big ask. So I think that you and your listeners are doing great work because they're helping people kind of take all that noise and put it down on a piece of paper and figure out what's right for them. Whereas, you know, the carte blanche of everybody should go to college. That's not right. That's in fact, the data shows that for close to a third of people, that's probably the, the wrong choice to make. And so I'm sure that you and your listeners are probably much better informed than the general population, which is terrific, especially because it's such a big commitment. Right. So if our listeners wanted to get that book or get yeah. in touch with you, how might they do that? Yeah. So my website, uh, www.davidelinton, so my full, full name, middle initial e.com. Um, on the website, you can see uh, a link for the book and, um, and a little bit about me as well. So it's going to be on all the, the it's, you can buy it now pre-order on Amazon and, and other, um, other retailers. Outstanding. Well, thank you so much, David, for enlightening us with your information. Any last advice for the, the listeners? Um, I would just say that, that um, if, if I were talking to myself from two years ago, the, the person like just starting this research and or just thinking about what my kids should do, um, I would challenge the notion that everybody should go to college. And I'd certainly challenge the notion that it's okay to take out an unlimited amount of debt to go to college. I think that college is great for people who are interested in working in science or in medicine or law or finance or economics or accounting. Um, and college is, is, is also good if you have no interest in that, but you're willing to earn a, or learn a skill along the way, whether it's coding or, or um, just how to navigate Excel or Python. Um, but if you don't fit into any of those categories, don't rush headlong into going to college and taking on debt. I think there's a lot of um, horror stories that go into that. And there's nothing wrong with taking a gap year. There's nothing wrong with going into the job market beforehand. There's nothing wrong with getting a certificate or looking at the military or looking at an apprenticeship. So just be open to all ideas because the, the correct thing, it, it's not cop launch. It's not just one solution. Everybody goes to college. It's very nuanced and should be tailored to each individual. Thank you so very much for your time. And listeners, are you college ready? Have a wonderful day. Thank you.